This is episode eight of the Bocce Bros podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Today we have Frank and Jim from Extreme Bocce League joining us. We're really excited about this one. These guys are located near the Toronto, Canada area. They started Extreme Bocce about seven years ago, and it's taken off. So we're really excited to have these guys on to learn about their style of play, international play, some of the social fun leagues they have, as well as competitive. So we'll be able to dive into that here in a minute. Guys, as always, please follow us on social media. We can be found at the Bocce Bros. And on our website, we added a new link. It's our 2021 Bocce Tournaments link. So if, go on there, thebocchebros.com. You'll be able to see all of the tournaments we have listed, whether they're ours or others. If you guys have a tournament coming up and you want us to put it on that website, please let us know. It's beginning a lot of traction, and we think it's a good thing for the sport to understand when tournaments are. That way we're not overlapping. So as always, guys, please follow us. We appreciate you tuning in. Let's start the show. Oh, Canada, terre de nos been friends for a long time uh you know he knows my brother and uh, like we've just big group we grew up playing hockey soccer all these things together so back in 2011 is when we first kind of like connected in terms of you know entrepreneurship so we wanted to start like business together he was very much into like soccer jerseys and that kind of thing and we started right then and there so we started like sports memorabilia company and from 2011, you know, we tried a bunch of things. And all of a sudden in 2014, he comes up with this idea. Like he said, I was shocked to hear it. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, why would anybody want to play in a bocce league? Because it was still like a foreign idea to us back then. Um, we grew up playing it. We know the seniors play it. But there wasn't really a, a younger demographic, let's say, that was playing the sport here officially or you know organized right we've all played on the beach in the grass whatever all of us mostly right mm. so we've always kind of been like that mindset like startup i don't want to call it a business okay because with this it's actually more of a passion for us yeah it is a business like we do make money but it's not a lot obviously and it's mostly because we enjoy it people have fun so that's kind of you know the main purpose of it but like I said, we've always kind of been of that mindset that, you know, what can we do together, like, you know, in terms of business. And so we, we, he came up with this and I remember I saw the text, why don't we start a bocce league? And I kind of was shocked. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean? Like, it was just, it, back then it was just so unreal or like, it didn't make sense, but whatever. We took it seriously. We, we looked into it. We tried different. We went around the, our city where we're from. So we're from Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada, you know, Vaughan, smaller, like sub part, whatever. And so we started our process of like, you know, looking into where could we do this? And the problem that we encountered is that like a lot of the older guys kind of dominated um, the whole landscape, like it was tough to find a facility that was available because they kind of just had a monopoly on it back in that day. Yeah. That seems to be a re reoccurring theme with yeah, the, so the, the The thing is here though, um, in Toronto and Vaughan, we'll say is that our courts are majority inside. Our outdoor courts are 
we'll say not well maintained or whatever, but the demographic, like the, the players more play indoor here and to get a space indoor uh, was difficult for us because it's dominated by seniors. Right. So I remember the first place I called the guy basically laughed at me saying like, you're not getting in here. It's, it's dominated by seniors. He gave us another place, which we called and, and we were happy to get in there. It was only two lanes and that's where we started. But like that was, when we look at the overall goal, it's to break that stereotype. I think that, you know, bocce is an old person sport and it's, we're bringing up the youth to play in it now. Right. Which we need or else the sport's going to die. Yeah. So I, I would say from my side on that point there, like, um, you know, at that time it was definitely, you know, a senior sport and still the perception is that, but we didn't know or expect what was going to happen. So to go a little bit about what happened when we started. So Frank had like uh, a bunch of friends that said they were willing to play. And we were trying to figure out back then, like, you know, how do we run something like this? What equipment do we need? Where do we need to go? How long are we going to be there? What do we charge? What are the rules? And how many teams kind of thing? So like we, we were very new to it. Like we all played before, but we didn't know how to like run a, a league kind of thing right right and so we we kind of figured out based on the availability of that facility which was two hours per night and they only had two courts and so we figured okay the way we play i think frank mentioned this to one of you is that we play teams of two mm-hmm. so it's two versus two which means each player gets to throw two balls and that's actually consistent with international. There's yep. different ways. There's singles, doubles, triples, whatever, right? We've played in Cleveland before, Wycliffe, like you mentioned. And I know there it's four versus four. You get one ball each. But we play two players per team, two balls each, okay? So basically, we started, like, calculating, okay, with this many courts, this much time, this is what we can fit. And so we, we kind of went with that. So we knew we could fit six teams in this amount. Once we got six teams to kind of agree to join this league that no one knew nothing about, uh, obviously they were friends and family at first, then we started. And we like kind of tried to use whatever rules we thought you know, made sense. We researched this and that. But we were changing the rules as we went for like the first two to four years probably yeah. consistently because we were learning stuff as we went. Like we had... No idea, right? When we first started, we sucked too. We didn't know what the hell was going on at all. Not at all, but like, you know. What were some of the rules? Like, can you do any stand out? Any rules in particular that stand out over those two to four years you were changing them? So, yeah, I think, well, the main rule that's different, I think, from the way you guys play your style is we start with the Paulina marked on a dot. Ooh. Yeah, and then the winner of that frame gets to toss it. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That's like the the big rule. So other than that, back wall is dead. You can't go directly off the back wall. Can you hit uh, a ball first and then touch the back wall? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's Qu- got to touch something. Question. So when you say you start with the, uh, the ball and a dot and then whoever wins gets the Pauline and gets the throw, do you count that first frame as a score? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay. who gets to, is it just a coin flip? See who goes the first one? Yeah, coin flip, rock, paper, scissor. But kind of the way we play is 
you play the same team twice. So it's it's in a night. In a night. So yeah. it's uh first to eleven points or twenty-five minutes. So it's time games. So you mm-hmm. two time games. And then so if one team, let's say, throw goes first the first game, the second team goes first the second game. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So like I mean, one of the things we implemented or whatever for our league, so we call it Extreme Budget League. Let's talk about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Actually, when we started, I, okay, I think I came up with a name. It doesn't matter, but I didn't really realize why we called it Extreme until I thought about it years later. And I think the main reason is because of the whole stereotype, right? So as soon as you put the word Extreme Bocce, immediately... Whoever hears that knows, okay, this is not your typical old man budgie. Like, why is it extreme? So we wanted to go opposite side of, you know, what the perception was. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing we did, extreme budgie league. And I'm like, what the fuck is this, right, kind of thing. So it kind of worked because, like, even as Frank mentioned to one of you, the president of our Ontario Canada budgie Association, they eventually approached us. And they were even, like, questioning, like, what's so extreme? Like, do you guys fight? Like, what does this mean? So it just stirred a lot of, like, you know, attention or, you know, something that immediately says this is not your typical budget, right? And that's right. that's the message we wanted to drive home because we realized that, um, you know, in where we are over here, the older generation, and they told us this later because we played with them, they kind of screwed up where they skipped a generation or two. And the reason is when these older guys were like 40 years old or whatever, they said that they would like bring their kids in and they would yell at them and it was just not a fun experience. And so these, their, that generation or whatever got very turned off. So they, they didn't play. And then eventually they ran into a scenario where nowadays over here, before we came in, they're like, you know, the average age is 70 plus. Yeah. And they struggled to try to get the youth to play and they couldn't figure out why. Right. And they just, they, it, they were just too far gone. Like, you know, modern day, like they didn't know how to attract today's youth, let's say, because they were just too old at that point. So I don't know. I kind of lost my whole train of thought there, but basically like, I think we were able to help out in that respect. And I'll leave it there because I kind of lost my point, but go ahead. No, 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 you're good. So, you know, what, I guess, how did you guys, how are you able, because you have a pretty good following and I know you have, I think 32 teams in your league. Yeah. You kind of go out on a whim. Hey, let's start a bocce league. Some of you, you know, it took you guys a minute to think about and say, yeah, fuck it. Let's just move forward and do it. So how did you get people, especially the younger generation to get involved, to join your league? What, what excited them about it? How did you network? You know, what, what did you do to, to grow this league to 32 teams? Yeah, so I think social media, number one, Instagram. Um, but a lot of it was word of mouth, right? So if a player, a team would come and play, they'd actually tell their friends, yeah, we had a blast here. And then they'd bring a team in, right? So a lot of referral. But I give a lot of credit to, uh, to Jim on our social media, right? So, I mean... Anytime you guys see stories on a Wednesday, he's on there. He's getting everybody involved. He's making it a fun atmosphere. He's making you want to come, right? So 
So I don't know if you guys, how often you guys take a look at our stories on a Wednesday, but we have a, a bartender there. We call him the captain. His name is Tommaso. So Jim basically built him into a character that everyone watches Instagram just to see Tommaso, right? Yeah. He's like a character now, part of the Extreme Mochi League, right? So, I mean, as long as we make it inviting and fun, I think that's what just kept bringing the people into us, right? So I, I want to add to this point. Thank you for that, by the way. I think, um, like, even before, if we rewind or, like, look at the foundation of what we are, We've played a lot of sports in our life, like hockey, soccer, volleyball, we still play, whatever. And we realize that like for our age group, we're in our 30s, whatever, you know, your average person nowadays, they might have an hour to go out on a weekday and spend at a sport. Mm -hmm. Okay, now with Bocce, with the older guys, when we join them and this and that, the way they play is like they start a game, they don't have a time limit. They'll play until the game is over. And they actually play multiple games per night. So when we play like, uh, you know, professionally, when we play with the international league, you know, we could be there for three, four hours. But we know from our experience in amateur sports that, you know, your everyday person doesn't have that kind of time. They got family, kids, job, yeah. this and that. So the first thing we did was introduce time limit. And we stopped the score after a certain time. That was probably the first thing that kind of like set us apart here. Mm. right where the older tradition wasn't doing that they didn't care they have the time because they're seniors let's say right so that's the first thing after we realized okay we we, we kind of adjusted the rules as we went but at a certain point in time i think where we are now our current facility is a private facility and yeah. we're, we're more flexible in terms of like we have four courts but it's we almost like rent the space and it's just us yeah. Okay. So we're allowed to play music. We have a bar. Um, you know, we were allowed to kind of decorate the place a little bit. It's all our rules, all our people, whatever. But what I tell Frank and what we realized was, is that, or what we try to create is we want a fun social environment, almost more than the actual sport. Sorry. You guys got a house not, phone over there. The house phone, yeah. Dang. You got a cord on the end of it? <laughs> so over time, what we realized, like the facility we were at prior was a city-run thing, so we were less flexible. Yeah. It was almost more about the bocce only because we couldn't play music. There was no bar. It was in our, our home, yeah. let's say. And so it was more focused on the sport itself. But when we finally got into our own place, which we – we still have to rent, but we had it was more open to do what we want, make it our own. Um, we realized that people enjoy a nice social night out, easy going. So we'll have teams that come there and can lose eleven nothing, eleven nothing. They play two games a night, and they're still laughing and having a great time. And that's what we want. And yeah, that's yeah. what we realize is is important to people, right? Because, like I said, we played hockey, soccer, volleyball, many sports. And some sports you want to go to and you're more into the sport itself, right? Like volleyball is kind of a mix. You want to play well, but it's more social. It's, you don't get hurt necessarily. Right. But with bocce, we found that people will come. We have, we'll have like husband, wives, boyfriend, girlfriend, brothers, father, sons, grandfather, sons. We have friends. 
it's a very nice mix mm. and pretty much what I've noticed myself in there is that or what we've noticed is that over these last few years you know random people are now friends, friends yeah. and we're friends with a lot yeah, of people it's too. like it's like a community now it's basically what we've done is created a positive atmosphere yeah. easygoing happy fun and that's what we want and that's kind of you know that's our goal for for extreme bochi league and it's been running smoothly people keep coming back you know us as the owners or whatever the organizers we talk to everybody everyone's treated with respect we're curious about their lives you know what i'm saying so like it's almost like people come there they come for the sport but they also come for that connection i don't know that like fun time and we constantly get that kind of feedback from our players so I know I went on a huge rent there, but basically, like, that's... You guys are good. I mean, it's, you know, these episodes, um, I don't want to say are tough, but you have a lot to share, and then your story can't be summarized in two minutes. So (laughs) definitely take all the time you need, man. We're excited to have you on. Do you guys have any questions? That uh, build build it and they'll come mentality, though. Like, and that's basically what, you know, how us four got together... It's like, well, how do we do it? It's like, well, we just have to do it. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. You know? We had Rodney Rinks on. Rodney's out in California. He's really good friends with Mario Lopez. I'm sure you yep. guys know him. Uh, yep. um, yeah. And we asked him, you know, it was nothing to do with bocce. It was like, hey, what's your motivation? If you have one bit of advice for someone, because Rodney's involved wow. in hair and makeup, directing movies, <laughs> he's been acting, he's involved in a lot of stuff. And he, his advice was just do it. Just yep. whatever you want to do, go do it. Make sure you put, you know, 100% effort into it. And if it's good, people will want to, you know, want to help out or join. So, you know, that's exactly what you guys are doing. That's what we're, we're doing here. We looked at our numbers the other day for our last episode. We had over 130 people listen to it. We never would have wow, thought awesome. that, awesome. you know, that would be the case. But it helps when... You know, our guests share the episodes, and I'm sure a lot of our family members are listening. But, but like you said, you just got to put the work in, do it, and and people will follow. And so, I actually want to go on a little longer. Sorry, but no, like, go ahead. the thing is that Please. a lot of our followers or a lot of our you know uh, members or players have been with us for a while now. Most people just see um, kind of upfront like what what we offer they come you know once a week they're there they have a good time they but there was seven years that frank and i actually spent almost every day talking about our league what can we do we went to like trade not trade shows but like different shows we tried being on the radio we there's there was so much work behind the scenes that you know a lot of people are not aware of kind of thing, you know, between dealing with players, you know, that some might've been difficult or they have questions between coming up with new rules, coming up with new formats. That's another thing we realize. like we're always trying to change things around to not become boring or stagnant. Yeah. Like we're always coming up with new tournament ideas, new, not new rules, but new formats like our advanced league and this and that, or, you know, different, we had a champions league. We have different playoff form. So there's always there's 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 a lot of work to it, um, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people will only see what we post. But I know Frank can attest to this. Like we actually would spend, 
you know, almost seven days a week for, you know, at least five years talking every day. What can we do? How can we build? What should we change? And there was a huge sort of like learning curve and adjustments that we had to make. We tried things, you know, different prizes, different formats, you know, so many like, you know, looking back, it's crazy. And, and even like all the things we had to do, like I said, as far as promotion is concerned. So it took a long time to get to where we got. Not that we're whatever, we're not that far, but basically where we are, we're happy with it in terms of, you know, we have a good attendance, we have a good following, we have a good membership. Like everyone that comes is positive, happy. Mm-hmm. So like that's kind of what we worked for this whole time yeah is how do, how do we get to a point where you know it works for us um because you know this is not our full-time thing right like he's i'll let you talk about yourself whatever but i you know we each work this and that so we had to try to build this or not try we did build this as a side gig let's call it um for the last seven years where we had our day jobs and families and this and that but we still dedicated a lot of time and effort almost daily, like I said, to try to build this up to the point where it was, you know, where it is now, actually. And, and I'm very happy and proud to where we took it because, as you can see, like, there's a lot of, always a lot of good feedback. And we got it to a point where most people, you know, no one gets upset anymore. It's not even about that, right? Like I said, you can... You can show up and have a great time, even if you lose, if you get blown out, you're still happy. And that's what we wanted, right? Right. There were times in the beginning where, you know, people were too focused in the game. Just like any other sport, you get a little intense, you know, you want to win. And it was kind of about that. But ever since we got our own, not our own place, but, you know, private location that we were able to kind of mold it into what we think makes sense. All of a sudden, you know, it turned into such a light, friendly atmosphere. And, you know, 80% of our players are returns. They just keep coming back. Right. You know, hopefully, thankfully kind of thing. But that's what it's been. So what is your uh, go off a different route here? So you guys obviously have several relationships with people in the States. Uh, I know the Bellas are good friends of yours. You might have come to tournaments here or vice versa. What, what What have you guys thought about the... I guess your first initial reaction to American bocce compared to what you guys play, the, the level of play, how is it, you know, is it, were you guys like, ah, these guys stink or, you know, kind of what, what what's your reaction been to some of these the tournaments? Stupid Americans. <laughs> stupid Americans. No, 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 not at all. No, no, no. The first time, the first time we actually were introduced to, I guess the American style, if you want to call it, is the Wycliffe tournament we came out to three years ago. Four years maybe ago, four maybe. Now, yeah. Four yeah. years ago, maybe. I mean, that's a, that's a really good uh, one to go to. Yeah, so that tournament there, that's like one of the things we look forward to most. I mean, it's it's an intense tournament. It's it's great. Something we've never seen before where it's a four-man team, but you each throw one ball, right? Kind of mm-hmm. different, right? So the first year we went there, I think we went uh, 0-2. Uh, no, 1-2. and two. Can't mm-hmm. remember. I don't know. Second year, same thing, 2-0. and out. But then the third year, because we started playing a lot more and uh, like higher level, higher right? level, and 
understanding the game that you need to have like uh, two pointers and two shooters basically system. Yep. And you have to have a, a guy who knows how to basically call the game or see the game and, yeah. and discuss shots. We did a lot better, right? So we went in there, I think last, not last year because damn COVID, but the year before that, uh, we ended up playing the second place team from the year before and we ended up beating them 14-12, which was like a huge shock around there. Yeah. Sent them right into the loser bucket right away. <laughs> it, was pretty, oh, yeah. it was pretty hilarious. Like we, So our original jerseys for Extreme Bochy Club. So let me just explain that for one second. So we have, we're Extreme Bochy League. That's Frank and I since 2014. It's a recreational, social Bochy League. Uh, as the Ontario Bochy guys approached us, Canadian, like the more international professional level stuff, we had to create a club in order to join that organization. So we created Extreme Bochy Club. So when we went to the last Cleveland tournament, we took, it was me, Frank, our friend Carlos and Matt. But by that point, we were already playing against top tier players over here, mm-hmm. not just over here. We were playing your guys' top tier players. So I'm going to do a couple name shout outs. So Frank mentioned to you guys, there's a guy in the States called Jose Bato. He's okay. number one in America, and he actually finished third, I believe, in the world yep. that year. Okay, our guy, Pat Peasant, he's number one in Canada, and he finished ninth in the world that same year. So they're a friend. So when we played our second year, I believe yep. we got paired against them. <laughs> well, oh, we kind of got screwed because we're like, holy shit, we travel all this way and we got to play the fucking top tier. And they actually won that year. Yeah. So we, we kind of got, you know, whatever. We didn't have a chance. But we, I don't know. I, I'm just going to keep going on. But anyway. Well, I want to interrupt you real quick because that's yeah, really thing playing against, like, the best of the freaking best. And, oh, yeah, it sucks you got paired up with them. Because I feel like that's what happens that we always get paired up with someone really good. <laughs> that's when we suck. Um, but what was it like playing against them? Like, what did they just not miss a shot? Did they shoot everything out? Were they touching it every time? Like, what was okay? Little, so, little ball, Let me let me let me tell you something. Uh, all right, the, the difference in how good they are versus us. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of teams that you guys have there that are actually. Amazing. They yeah. didn't even win last year. So I don't know if you guys know those young guys that yeah. play there, Dennis A-B-B. and all that. A-B-B. A-B-B. Yeah. 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 So you guys actually have a lot of skilled team. And Jose is from there, so he represents America, whatever. But if you want to ask us in terms of what's the difference in skill level between a team like us and them, <sighs> where do I even go with this? It's not all, like it's a hundred times different. Basically, yeah. they won fourteen to two, but the two that we got, they mercy pointed us. Like they let us get it. They, so, so they say. Well, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they won't admit it. Of course, they won't of course. Tell us, but they kind of don't want to crush our spirits, kind of thing. But Jose, your guy's guy. Okay, for example, that tournament, he's the shooter on the team. He can point and shoot. He's international. He's world mm-hmm. class. But he was playing Friday, all like. Friday from a certain point, so many games, all day Saturday. He, he didn't miss his first shot until Saturday late night. So, like, I think he took, you know, each player has one shot, you know, per round or whatever. Right. He didn't miss, you know, he was like 24 for 25. That's uh, gross. You know? But the thing is, like, what these guys teach us 
you know, so I have the privilege of playing with our top guy who's played with your top guy and we're down for 20, 30, however long, right? But, you know, an amateur player, a person that hasn't played, you know, professionally like them, let's say, we have no idea about strategy as far as deep as they do. So, like, when they teach us, they tell us, like, here, this, that, the other. So they're so far ahead that we literally, there is no chance. It's not like poker or gambling. You, you know, it's against a team like that, it's we're literally 0%. There's no, you know, so the fact that we beat the second place team was a, was a stunner. Like, you know, they, it was cool. Like the word around the campfire and that whole festival or tournament there, like, who are these guys? You know, are they trick shutter? Like everyone was baffled yeah. that we could beat those guys. I, I think we also have the record for the longest game in Woodcliffe history: <laughs> two hours. Two hours. They were pissed at us. Yeah, I think they were pissed at really? us. Really? Oh fuck yeah! Like <laughs> we ended up. So we beat the second place team. Then we lost to some. I don't know. We lose uh, shit team. Yeah. The next day we played the, another team we that won. actually won the thing before. So they're that caliber. And we lost to them. 14-12, yeah. But in that game, like, we, uh, it was, I don't know, it was two hours. It was crazy. Yeah. Like, they were, you know, I don't know. There's, you guys got some really good players there. But another thing I want to say is it really does depend on the style of game you're playing, yeah. the surface you're playing on, the rules you're playing with. Okay, so our guys, like I call them our guys, that team that, you know, is with us, if they play any of those guys, you know, on our courts with our rules, it's zero percent for them, right? Versus when when we play in that tournament, it's sand, it's sixty feet, it's open court. They know how to play because they're experienced. But other teams can have an advantage, let's say. So where you play, the rules you play with, the surface you're on makes a huge difference uh-huh. in all of coaching, and that applies. Like even when we play in Canada, we'll go to Montreal, another city here. Those guys over there, even though, you know, we can beat them here, they'll beat us there just because they know their courts. It's the same rules, same type of courts, but every court is different, as you guys know. And that little advantage makes a difference where, you know, if you're at that level, your home court advantage or different rules, this and that, makes a big difference. No, definitely. I know uh, Chris and I were heading to um, Club Molasani. Shout out to Club Molasani in Cleveland. I was there. Yeah. Do they have synthetic? So can you can you attest that they have synthetic, right? All brand new. Uh, yeah, that new building they built. So I've never I've never played on that. I can't say that Chris has. Carmen, you may have, but I just know that it's definitely it's going to be a, it's a two man tournament, and our buddy John will be joining us. Um, but it's going to be interesting. That's yes. Yeah, so they have two new synthetic courts: one sand court in the back, and then they have three in the front that are a little bit older. But we just played in our first tournament, uh, my Youngstown team. We played in our first tournament in the fall. And like you guys said, it's completely different. Uh, we had to get used to – back wall was live for that tournament. But you got to get used to the speed, even get used to the shooting. It's a little bit different. Yeah. And that's it's, what it's I, a cool experience, though. Yeah, that's what I found there. So I actually went there, uh, I think, two years ago. Um, and I played with one of your boys. His name is Hunter Galero. He's actually, I think he's ranked third in America. I don't know. I can't say that for sure, but I think so. So I got to play with him and 
the difference with your those courts there at Molizan is like there's no lines on the courts where mm -hmm. we have lines. So it, for me, it kind of helps judge or gauge like speed. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but there it's there's no lines. So and they're like a little bit slower. I find you know it grips a bit more. So it was for me it was super difficult because by the time I adjusted, it didn't matter. Late, yeah. And, yeah, and so, like, I would say, I mean, if you guys are going to some tournament there, try to get there as soon as you can and warm up because, you know, it's not like anything else you've ever played before. And mm -hmm. I find I find that in Bochy, like, if you don't know the courts, right, then forget it. Like, you have to know the speeds. The You got to read it. Like, is it going to curve here or is it there? Like putting, yeah, it's like golf. And if, exactly. you don't know, yeah. if you don't know it, then you better get really lucky until you do yeah. know it. Exactly. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. So you said primarily in Canada, you guys are indoor, indoor courts, especially extreme bocce. Yeah. So I'm assuming you guys are on synthetic courts. Um, yeah. International size courts. Yeah, ninety by ten, twelve. Yeah, yeah, approximately. Yeah. I think they're yeah, like ninety long, ninety feet, okay, eighty-six point something or ninety, yeah. whatever it is. By like I think ten feet, ten or twelve or something like that. They're pretty. So, so to, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was just gonna say to give our listeners in Cleveland and Youngstown an idea of that the MVR is about sixty by thirteen, and then same with Pudgentrano Club, St. Anthony's, uh, Columbus Italian Club is skinnier than that, but I believe the length is also sixty. Cleveland, same thing. Most of them are 60. Yeah. In, in, in Cleveland, they step about three freaking feet over the line, so there's already a 40-foot court. <laughs> they do. Cleveland listeners, yeah. They do. <laughs> it's so funny yeah. when they shoot. That's a whole other thing. Like, another difference. So the biggest difference for us when we come to Cleveland, like Wycliffe tournament, is first of all, it's 60-foot courts. It's sand surface. Um, back walls are live. Sidewalls are live, and each person only throws one ball. When we play over here, if it's our rec league or let's just talk international, sidewalls you can't touch, yeah. backwalls you can't touch. Uh, it's a synthetic surface, like so it's a lot faster. So there's there's many differences, let's say. So anytime we show up there, it's super difficult to compete in that tournament because like. It's like playing, I don't know if you guys, well, you know, ice hockey versus ball hockey, right? It's still hockey, but one's on ice, one you're running and you're playing. So it's right. the same sport, but it's it just, the whole dynamic has just changed. And uh, I think internationally, there's similar uh, differences. They're very close, but little minute things that the top, top level players play. So I know you, one of your guys' goals is getting bocce in the Olympics, um, and you've had probably some conversations there. Can you kind of give us a brief explanation on, on you know, your conversations and where you're at and if you think we could finally get, get this game in the Olympics? Yeah, I'll, I'll start and then you take it off. So, yeah, so within Extreme Bocce League, we created uh, – so we, our, our majority, 24 teams of ours are wrecked. Then we had, two years ago, we created an advanced division, which starts teaching rules. There's a rep on the court, call your shots. Um, and basically what that's 
doing or our goal there was to build a pipeline basically to come up to Ontario Bocce Association and then be able to compete internationally, right? So we wanted to build uh, a, a, basically a pipeline of young players. So right now, currently in OBA, I think we have the most members under Extreme with 13. Um, and me and Jim are on the board for Ontario Bocce Association. So, I mean, our, our goal all together with the Canadian is to push the sport on to, uh, on to the Olympics. Okay. So I'll just add on to what Frank's saying. So from what we've heard from our guys, so we, we, like he said, we're on the board for Ontario and we deal with the Canadian guys. So we hear from our presidents kind of like, you know, what's going on internationally. So from what I understand, there's an international bocce committee or organization. I, I don't remember what it's called. There's a president, every, not every country, but there's a lot of countries involved. A lot of like South American, like Brazil, Argentina are very good. Austria, Switzerland, Italy, of course, is actually kind of ranks top right now. So from what I understand or what I heard a while ago about the Olympics is that the Olympic committee said, you know, you're, you guys have to kind of increase the skill level or whatever across your sport across the different countries because we're Italian okay fine Canadian Italian that's not to be a biased opinion but basically Italy right now is very dominant in bocce just like Russia was with chess back in the day and like uh you know China with ping pong mm -hmm. so basically what the the Olympic committee said was you know if we were to introduce this as an Olympic sport Italy would take the gold every year. And we can't have that. We can't have a country that's like going to win every time. So what they wanted was a, like a lot more growth and participation. And lately, from what I can see, believe it or not, when, when there's international competition, so every year there's actually like a World Bocce Championship. I, I don't know if that's what it's called, but your Jose went, and like I said, he finished third. This was just the March prior. It's not that long ago. You know, our guy went, he finished, so Pat, he finished ninth. So it's actually competitive on an international scale. And most of the top players nowadays are actually young. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's that, you know, in Italy, I can speak for that. They have under 19, under 24. Like there's a lot of young players, men and women, that are now competing at that kind of level but that's the farm system that they have over there. Um, but anyway, so pretty much I think what happened was uh, breakdancing uh, got the spot for Olympics <laughs> 2024. Uh, and I think that's because they want to attract like a younger crowd to the Olympics, whatever it is. But right. she lost out to that. And it sucks because it's in France and France is the one that started fools. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was our best opportunity, but as, a, as an international organization or sports, Bochi, I think, and that was my personal opinion, is not really ready or set up yet. And I say that because I know of these factors that, like, you know, there's certain dominant countries or there's not enough participation or whatever it is. And so we didn't get selected, right? Now, I can talk about what happened with us. So when we had to go compete in this tournament, we only sent 
our guy Pat, that peasant, and that's one guy who went to compete. But what we should have sent was one guy, one woman. There's supposed to be a single men's, single women's, doubles, this and that. We just don't have the size or participation yeah, yeah, yeah. by by I know, think it's more the participation, right? Well that's the what people it is. involved. And that's what I think what when we showed up on the scene, I think that's now over the last couple of years, that's kind of been our focus goal, right? To try to build something, to build a Canadian team, to be able to send somebody over, right? To to be able to at least send a woman over, right? Like we have women that play with us, but the thing is like you know, when you when you want to go compete on a world scale, you gotta send top notch, man. Top notch, yeah. but we don't have the system in place to sort of prepare, you know, players. Like even when our top guys go out, who's next? Us? Like we're <laughs> we're nowhere near, you know, what what we should be to go and compete at that level. Like it's not even close. Just to yeah, I'm gonna throw Pat off for a second here, but basically this is what he said. The difference between your guy's top player and our top player, he told me, he goes, if he plays him in a ranked game, like an official game, your guy's guy will win nine out of 10 times just because he's that far ahead. Our guy's really good, but Jose is like, for some reason, he's just that caliber. Now, when Jose plays the top player in the world, which right now I think is an Italian guy, I think... Don't quote me on this. I'm going to probably get in shit. But it's probably the same like ratio. Okay. And the only reason why I say that is because I know in Italy, when you're talking like professional bocce or high level bocce, you know, they have like a million players, literally. And they start from a young age. They're sponsored. They play Serie A shit. So you've got like, it's basically like hockey. I'm going to pump Canada here now, right? <laughs> but like, America's good too, obviously, right? But these are like this is a sport. So in Canada, we got we start hockey from a young age, right? We have the system set up. We got house league, this, that, triple A. It's like America with football. Similar to football, yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. And so the problem is is that this sport kinda fell off a little bit. But if you guys actually watch, like there's certain accounts in Brazil, Argentina, like there's a lot of young players men like boys and girls men and women that are playing they're they're amazing like if we were to play them we get destroyed yeah you know they're very good it's different style like they do a lot of bolos but the skills that they have like their abilities are are crazy but that's like their sport mm. right you know right it's like you're, you what sorry go ahead i've been yapping on no you're, no you're right but an example that i thought of when you're going through those examples like a kid uh Shout out to uh, Furkan from Turkey. He's on the uh, national Turkey team. So he plays bocce. He's probably 19 years old, and he wants to go to college in the U.S. So he reached out to me and was like, hey, I want to play bocce professionally in the U.S. And, you know, I didn't really, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know, like, the way they do it at the time. And so we start talking it through and I'm like, yeah, come to Youngstown state. We got, you know, five bocce courts in the backyard. And he's like, Oh, all oh, this is great. Like, who's my sponsor going to be? And I'm like, I mean, I'll sponsor you, but I don't know. I'll get you like a pack of cigarettes each week. or something." And then he says, uh, well, I get 
paid full time to do this. And I'm like, Slower roll, no, buddy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, this, it's completely different over here. I said, we can travel to tournaments and try and win. But I said, I have to get a lot better before you start making money <laughs> with me. <laughs> and so it was just, it was kind of eye opening, and it it speaks to uh, your examples there, and and kind of the differences, but it also lights the fire a little. Like we've got a lot of work to do, and it, it's going to yeah. be fun. We're all young guys; it's going to be fun to get better and get other people better. But I think we do that by first having fun and getting others involved, having fun, and at the same time, I like what you guys are doing. How you kind of have two things going at once. You have that community that you're building, kind of like we're trying to do here. And then you're also trying to compete at a national and international level. And I think it's time that we make that step and bring more people in Ohio, Kentucky, PA, um, Illinois. We bring them into the national scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what I'll say is like – when we started our advanced division, um, the reason why we started that is because our main, like one of our goals or priorities between Frank and I first was always to like, you know, reintroduce Bocce, grow the sport in Canada, this and that. Ever since we joined Ontario Bocce, Canadian Bocce, now that we're on the board, right, one of our actual direct goals is to try to grow the sport. So what we found is when we actually started an advanced division, it's basically like playing pool, like billiards, with call shot or not call shot. Like, but when you actually play like pool with wow. call shot, and it's like there's more rules in place, the whole strategy is different. It makes it, it it takes it to a whole different level. So once we brought our guys into advanced and we introduced ninety percent of the rules, like international rules, they actually really liked it and they excelled. So we basically talked to certain players that we think, you know, are, would be interested in the first place and kind of like are excelling, let's say. Some people are there strictly for recreation and social, and that's totally cool, and that's what we want. That's on our rec side. But for those who want to go further in the sport, one of our things is we want to let people know that you can. There's actually more to it. You know, there are world tournaments or international tournaments you can go to, but we have to kind of like farm system then like AHL, OHL, like that kind of thing. So as it turns out, at least in Ontario, from what we know, we're it. Like there is no other organization that is kind of doing what we're doing, you know. And like a big thing about what we do, and as you might see if you go on our Instagram page, is we're trying to make this sport fun. Yeah, You know what I mean? Because... It's like, I don't know, I play chess too. It's a little bit boring, let's say, or people think old Italian men, and it's still, we still get that till today, even though whatever, we've been around. But that's the perception right. of sport. So our, our thought process is in order to kind of like reinvigorate or kind of give this sport a second life, the first thing is we have to make it popular, cool, and like socially acceptable again, right? Because... No kid is going to want to play bocce if it's considered nerdy or whatever, right? Like, it's all you play, but, like, it doesn't make sense. But if we try to make it, like, fun and cool and this and that, and, like, you know, every time we're at one of the community centers and 
you know, I see kids walking by. All of a sudden, when they see me and other young guys, they stop and watch and look and sometimes ask questions. But when you see the, you know, 80-year-old Italian men, they're not, like, most of the time they're not as warm or, we're, like, you just, they don't, they're not interested. So we need to bridge that gap kind of thing. And so we think that by making bocce cool, I always relate it to, like, darts i don't know if that's or uh what you guys play like cornhole right mm -hmm. somehow it's on espn or whatever and, it, and it, they made it exciting so we always look to that model we're like okay if darts can be on tv and people are excited about it and know about it cornhole not taking away from them because it is kind of cool i like it i watch it right but we're trying to follow that model in terms of repopularizing the sport or making it where people actually want to play yeah at least getting like our age group into it because kids are not going to want to play if it's just 70 80 year olds playing first of all they don't know how to teach them and it just doesn't look appealing right so that's why we took a whole new kind of um, element or take on it where we try to you know Put young men and women, we try to make it extreme, like use social media, we make funny videos, if they're funny, I don't know, you know, so, and, yeah. and that's basically, you know, our thought process on how do we grow the sport to the point where maybe it could become more professional here and in the States. Yeah, when it comes down to it, it's, it's accessibility. You know, we have people that watch our stories or whatever it may be, but if there's if they don't have access to courts, then how are they supposed to play? Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's a good thing. I always mention them, but American Bocce slash Oddball Sports, like they're doing great because they're bringing these courts, even though we don't consider them, you know, professional courts or international courts, they're still bringing some kind of the bocce game out to people who wouldn't normally see the game. So. Yeah honestly, the only way we grow it is if we're able to do that. Why is cornhole popular? Because you can bring cornhole, cornhole boards anywhere. I can play in anywhere. my basement right now. You know, yeah. darts, the same thing. So, you know, it, it stinks, but we have to figure out a way. Similar to bowling alleys, like, you know, I'm not saying we need a bocce alley, but one of our main goals, at least I know Dante and I have had this vision for a while, is building our own bocce bar in Columbus. And I don't know how many courts it would be or whatever, you know, we'll have to figure that out. But, you know, it, it comes down to accessibility and that's just kind of where we're at right now. It's like, OK, we can do so much with our Italian clubs and the courts that we have, um, you know, accessible to us. But in order to really grow the game, we, we need to get, you know, people easily accessible to to the courts out there. I, I think that that's for sure, like, step number one, like you're saying, because if there's no availability, then, you know, how are people ever going to try? I think the second step to that would be we have to create, like, an introductory level, like a fun recreational level. So, like, if you think of people, most people you talk to have tried bowling before. Midnight bowling, you go there and you try it. Okay. Now some people like it and they try to join leagues or go pro or this and that, but at least they got in the door, mm -hmm. right? Bocce, the, there's a huge gap between pros and us. Okay. And so these pros, for the most part, they're already like established or there and they're focused on their craft and they're not, I can't say this for everyone. Okay. And, but 
there's a, a big gap, I think, in terms of introduction. Okay, so I think between us and you guys, like I think we're on the same page in terms of trying to, you know, get the sport to take off. Number one is, do we have places to play? Can we make it fun and cool? But can you start it easy enough or simple enough that people would be willing to try? And then all of a sudden they might like it. Like we actually found that we had some beginners and we've had beginners by the end of the season, they actually won the playoffs, right? But they had to have the courage enough to, to try to join in the first place. Yeah. So what we got to do, I think, you know, as a whole for, you know, if we're going to be Bochy ambassadors, let's say, which we've been, is make it inviting, make it simple and fun enough for someone to get in the door. And then all of a sudden, you know, those that are skilled or want to actually pursue it, now they might, right? And then you have to set right. that up. But I think that, that a problem for the longest time before we all came around is that it was less accessible. The facilities have been there. Like where we're from in Toronto, Canada, whatever, there's a lot of community centers where there's a lot of courts, outdoor courts. They've been there for years. But the problem is the people that use them, the seniors, they actually died or stopped playing and nobody like continued because there was a big gap. And so they're, now they're like full of weeds and this and that. But right. I think that the problem was is that like we, you know, they didn't keep it accessible for the next generation is, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah. No, I got you. So you guys are fun. You guys are fun guys. You guys have a fun Instagram, fun guys and girls. Let's switch it up a little. We've, you know, we've gotten into the weeds about uh, botching and how we're going to grow it. Now let's, let's go a different route. Um, let's do something fun. I don't know. What do you guys got? How about this? So, so how about we go around and you give us your favorite mafia movie character? So you guys start. I like that switch up. <laughs> All right. Or I could start to break the ice while you think, since I put you on the spot. Well, I could probably, uh, I might have a few. I'll, I'll go with Donnie Brasco. Yeah. Donnie, okay. Al Pacino. Yeah. I'm going to say right off the bat, uh, Joe Pesci from Casino. <laughs> Boom. Any Beautiful. Song, in or that commentary from Bronx Tale. But I, yeah, maybe we'll go with Joe Pesci. <laughs> Can I you like give that. us an impersonation? I, I know you have a little bit of an accent when you want to. <laughs> you want me to do a Joe Pesci? Yeah, do yeah, a Joe Pesci. <laughs> okay, hang on. Let me think of that scene there. <laughs> I can swear you said, right? Yeah, please yep. do. Yep. Yep. Okay, come on. You have to. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Come back to me on this. I All have right. a couple scenes. Yeah. I don't know I how much I'm doing right now. Play him through your head. Yeah. I want to follow up, but I'm going to say Joe Pesci, but, but from Home Alone 2. <laughs> <laughs> Mark. You stuttering yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Why that. the hell are your shoes off? <laughs> Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> Those are great. <laughs> Love Ma that movie. So I don't know if you guys saw Anthony joined us. Anthony, thank you. We appreciate it. Where's Anthony at? Anthony, hey guys, talk. can you hear me? 
If you sw- hey, hey, hey. Okay, he's not on mute. Don't hey. worry. Are you guys on a Are you guys on a phone or iPad? iPad. Okay. If you sw- I, there should be a grid Swipe option. Right. Swipe and right, and you'll see all of us at the yeah. same time. Hold on. The main screen is here or this. Yeah, something. Swipe right. Yeah. Somewhere. Uh oh. You see us or no? No, we're just seeing when it's the gallery. There we go. There you go. All All right, so... How you doing? So we're good now, but Anthony's on. My favorite mafia movie character, I I like old school. I like uh, the classic uh, Michael Corleone. I think Al Pacino was just a fucking stud in that, whether it was one, (laughs) two, or three. I mean, even De Niro in in that, in two, was phenomenal. But I just think him, seeing him go from this, like, the younger brother, the baby boy of the family, to the absolute stud at the end was was just one of my favorite progressions as a character. That's cool. Yeah, that's a good... Go ahead. Um, So I really like Bronx Tale. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie. So Sonny was my favorite because... I mean, it's not traditional like mafia mob, but I don't know. I just love what he taught uh, Collegio and everything about growing up and kind of made him his son. So it's always been someone that I thought was kind of cool and just kind of an icon. Actually, I got a cool story about that. A friend of mine actually messaged Galogero, the real guy, the actor, just to say something to him, see if he'd reply on Instagram. Yeah. He actually did reply. And he said, like, he actually sent him a voice note. And he's like, thanks, brother. I appreciate your support. This and that. <laughs> that Galogero nice. voice. He actually responded. Wow. Like, oh, That's cool. cool to a man. random guy. I'm like, holy shit. That's really That's really cool. That's yeah. huge. That was nice. Car- Carmen, you're up. All right. Uh, man, th- this one's tough. Tough for me, but so I'll start with uh, old school too. Don Vito Corleone. He remind- reminded me of my grandpa. Oh, Just a lot of things about them. And Marlon Brando, he's the man. Old school and progressive. But, um, <laughs> so he's up there. And then you got... <laughs> My favorite all time is probably Christopher Molisani from Sopranos. 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 Yeah. Oh, oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Chris, <laughs> give me a little bit what of What the fuck's Sopranos. going on over here? What's going on? And then honorable mention is Goodfellas, uh, Jimmy Two Times. I got to go get the papers, get the papers. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That's good, man. Yeah, you guys are banging on. So, yeah, you guys know, I, I talked about Rodney Rinks earlier in the episode, and he was talking about his, his nickname, Tootie. And I was... Tootie. Tootie, whatever. And I was watching Goodfellas, and one of the nicknames of the guys is Tootie. And I, was, I texted him, and I'm like, hey, like, is that how you got your nickname from the Goodfellas? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I, like it makes... It's just funny how it made... Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was about a month after we, we had that podcast with him. But yeah. All right, Frank, you're up, brother. What? Yeah. <laughs> I said it. Oh, you did, you did. I, I apologize. He was first. I apologize. <laughs> I said it. I, I said it. Donnie no. Brasco, man. Yeah, you did. My bad, my bad. I apologize. Well, you wanna, Go uh, again. Go again right now. <laughs> Go again. Well, <laughs> you made me pop your own head. <laughs> And I have to protect that piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you done motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There you go. There it is. There we go. It. There we go. I could probably do the whole movie, but I'll stop right there. I love it. I like <laughs> yeah. the little switch up there, Carm. That's good. You know, we a lot of our podcasts are, especially with the bocce community, it's, we find it being around, you know, the same talk. It's like, okay, how do we grow the game? Um, how do we get more people involved and stuff like that? So I like how Carmen switched it up there. That was a nice little... Yeah, yeah. I think we're all so into it. It's hard to talk about anything else, especially at the beginning. You know, yeah. like that's that's our message, and it's cool to see it in other states. But now to see it in other countries, like it's awesome what you guys are doing and the vision you guys have, and it really aligns with with ours as well. So hopefully we can build off of each other and kind of create. I don't want to call it a partnership. That sounds so corporate. <laughs> create a friendship collaboration, collaboration. exactly yeah. Yeah. you know where like, at are you guys they're in toronto what was that toronto okay sorry i wasn't sure it was ontario continue yeah, toronto vaughn so toronto is like the more popular city it's the bigger city vaughn is like maybe 20 20 30 kilometers yeah, whatever 50 miles like a suburb north of uh of Toronto. So we're very close to like the city center, let's say. Okay. But what I was going to say, like you guys were talking about like, you know, just in general, like connecting this and that, but what Bochi has allowed us to do, uh, we didn't realize this would happen. We met so many people, but you know, once we connected with, you know, our friends from New York, with Mike Lisi, with Franklin Square Bochi Club. So like we actually, so between, the New York guys, we got Cleveland people that we met, as you guys met, Bochy Bellas. There's the Cleveland, what's their name? Yeah, like Cleveland. So, so just to go on that from, from Jim's point, just through social media, we've met so many uh, people who've come here and supported us within our tournament, right? So like you said, the Bochy Bellas, we met, we met them in person when we came down to Wycliffe. Uh, they played in our last tournament. Uh, so for them, it's, it was a little bit different because it's only two person teams. So Tara and Aria played together and then Allison and Lisa played together. And they were the only four women that played in a tournament of 32 teams. And yeah, yeah, and they finished top eight out of 32. So like big props to them. Right. Yeah. The cool thing, let me tell you a story about Mike from New York. So Frank started chatting with them years ago about like just on Instagram through Bocci. They, we connected somehow through our account and they came to our first, well, we had a smaller tournament, but let's call it the first, yeah, the first annual annual tournament of our, uh, what do we call it? Bocci tournament of champions. Yes. Okay. So these guys, basically four of them, Mike, Louie, Jimmy, and Ralph came from New York, Long Island to, no, Dennis, Dennis was, the first. Oh, Dennis, sorry to Toronto or Vaughn, you know, just knowing us through Instagram. And they told us, they go, like, we didn't know if you guys were going to be assholes. We took a shot on you guys, right? Like, we traveled. They literally took a flight. They paid for a hotel. They joined this tournament where they just knew us through Instagram. They came. We hosted them well. They were in a hotel, but we, you know, we met them. We hung out. We, they played in our tournament. Then he ends up inviting us to his place in Long Island. So me, Frank, and our friend Carlos end up going, I think, the next year or whatever. He holds, like, an annual tournament 
at his house. He's got his own court. They have their own club. I think that Marino's been there. Let's yeah. Start name drop, whatever. <laughs> name they drop. Speak, like they're popular guys, whatever, you know. And he right. has this huge fucking bash every year. But the cool part was is that he invited three guys from Canada that he just met to stay in his house. Okay? He hosted us. Right? So it's funny when we arrived, like, he, they're a little older generation than us, right? They're like, you know, we're in our 30s, maybe they're in their 50s, let's say, right? Mm. So they have kids our age. So their kids are wondering, like, why are you guys hanging out with <laughs> like, it was like, they were so fucking confused. But the best part I found was when we got there, his wife says, you know, who are these guys? Like, what do you do? He's like, oh, don't worry. They're cool. I found them on Instagram. And we were like, <laughs> Sleeping in their house. Yeah, so. <laughs> Just to that point, shout out to Mike's wife, Joni, man. Yeah. She She's like our mother in the United States, man. Takes care of us whenever we go. So I don't know if he follows you guys. Mike Lisi, uh, I don't know if you guys see him they're, follow they're, you guys. Huge. But if he doesn't, yeah. uh, Chris, I'll send you his info. Okay. You, you probably want to have him on a future podcast. They, yeah. he, he's a huge bocce enthusiast. So like Jim said, He's the president of Franklin Square Bocce Club, which is like 15 to 20 friends that play in oh, his yeah. backyard. He has a court there. Yeah. He, and, yeah, yeah. That's like, I was going to say, yeah, yeah well, he, he sounds comments familiar. on a lot of our yeah, stuff. Mike's, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying like that's cool that like guys that we met off Instagram not only came across the border to play with us, but he invited us four times. They four times. They've been every, to every one of our tournaments. Yeah, they come every year. And now, like, the Cleveland guys are coming. The Bunch of Bellas are showed up for the first time, but they'll probably come back. And we go to Wycliffe every time, ever since our first time. So it's kind of cool that, like, you know, just meeting on Instagram, that all of a sudden people are connecting, like, to that degree. Yeah. Where he had us in his house. Right, <laughs> Cle- yeah. you know? Cleveland Bocci uh club i think you guys are playing there this weekend yeah, we're playing there this weekend yeah so brad from there they've been up for the last three tournaments those guys when they come here have the best blast they are they, the they look forward to it every year man. Oh, they, they're another great group of guys oh, that that so much come fun. up yeah it's so much fun like once we we're past this covid fucking bullshit and we throw our <laughs> tournament uh you guys have to come out to oh, yeah. Tournament. yeah, I think for sure. Yeah, let have us you know. Have you guys ever traveled like this to, for bocce purposes? Uh, we, we've traveled to different states, neighboring states. Um, we haven't really traveled, you know, obviously. We haven't gone two states away yet. Only yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, you got to try it. So, like, it's much fun. That's the best part. Yeah, and so, that's another thing we didn't realize like when we started this, you know, that all of a sudden we're going to be traveling to places for bocce, yeah, right, within Canada or wherever. So, like, we've been to New York, Cleveland. I went to Detroit, you know, just for bocce, and then we go to our own it, Montreal. It's, it's the best when you have to cross the border. Like, when we come to Cleveland all the time, <laughs> and they ask you what you're traveling for, and you say a bocce tournament. <laughs> and then they just let you go, like, the you know, to, like play hardball with you. We're, we're, you know, four guys in a van. Like, where are you guys going? Bocce. They're like, huh? Bunchy. All right. All right. Okay, go ahead. Get these losers out of here. <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys said you're from Bond. Do you guys know the Palazzo Club by chance, or do you remember oh, it? That's an old club, man. That was around like 20 years ago. I actually yeah. never went there, but everyone talks about it as like it was the place to go back in the day. You know? Yeah, my uh, my aunt's uh, husband's family is actually owned it, so I don't know what happened. Oh, really? I, actually, oh. I was there when I stopped. I actually went there. 
uh, like a long time ago when we when we drove up to Toronto. So I was just curious if you're close by. Yeah, that was like a very well known spot back in the day, and I don't remember when it closed. I was too young, I guess. But so I got to ask something. You guys live in Canada, right? <laughs> we, we established Thanks. that. Yeah, yeah. You guys getting two thousand dollars checks a month or what? <laughs> oh, you mean from like the SERP thing? Sure. Or, uh, yeah, like the. Yeah, you know, you don't know what I, I like. We see like these stimulus checks for America, and then I hear like, "Oh, Canada's got you know free healthcare, two thousand dollars, two thousand dollars a month." Well, I'll tell you. I'll speak for myself. Like I was off of uh, work at the time. I had to leave because of COVID, whatever isolation. And um, yeah, they were as long as you met a certain criteria, meaning mm-hmm. you had, you accumulated enough like taxes or working yeah. hours, you could apply for this. What do they call it? Like a relief program. But okay. yes, uh, I was getting like, uh, I don't know if it was a thousand dollars Canadian every two weeks. Okay. Something like that. So yeah, about 2000 a month. That happened for a bit, like when this whole thing started and then it stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's like a secondary program, like a, we call EI, like employment insurance, whatever, that if you qualify, uh, they'll provide you with that. But in order to collect that, you, you had to have worked and earned, you know, enough of a bank, let's say that in case you do lose your job, they'll pay you. But every Canadian that works, every check you get, you know, you just think like taxes or Canadian pension plan taxes, you're paying EI or uh, like an insurance tax, let's say, so that just in case one day you need it, they'll pay you. Now I worked 20 years. I never collected it because I was always working. And finally, now that I'm (laughs) off, we'll call it, (laughs) I I, I actually qualify and I'm able to get some of the money back that I've contributed. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, yes, it is happening, if you want to know. Only if you you qualify, yeah. Okay. And there is uh, free health care, I guess you could call it. I mean, we go to the hospital, doctor, we don't ever have to pull money out. Yeah. Uh, there might be some things that maybe you have to pay for, but I've never Something really experienced it. So you could have a triple bypass surgery and it's covered. <laughs> yeah, which is normally, who knows, 200 grand or so. <laughs> you, you mean not only, not just the rich and wealthy and comfortable can... Get heart surgery? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go there. Okay, so before we forget, before we forget, um, when is your tournament in in Canada? Yeah, so for the last four years, it's been in January. But uh, I think when we're able to hold it again, we're going to push it to the spring, March, April, May, somewhere in there. Yeah. So under under normal circumstances, it would be like January fifteenth, something around there. Okay, the last four years in a row. But with this whole condition, you know, we're thinking maybe now's the time to try to shift it to the summer or spring. So we'll see what the conditions are, like you know, in the next few months. But if we can't do it now, then the following year probably we'll move it to like april may april may yeah so it's 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 basically 32 teams round robin style and uh it it kicks off at like nine o'clock in the morning and goes until like six o'clock at at night uh full meal all that good stuff 
Well, let us know for sure because we'd like to uh, travel out for it and join you guys. And yeah, one tournament, sure. since I know you guys go to the Cleveland one, another one or two for you to come to. Definitely the Carmstrong, the third weekend of September. That's in Youngstown. You guys should okay. try and put that on your calendar. That's a good one to come to. Okay. And then um, also Columbus guys, if you have one certain one you think they should go to in Columbus. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're trying to build some of our tournaments up right now, especially one that's worth coming to for you. So we're uh, our first tournament we threw was last fall. I mean, we threw it within a month or two. Um, it was in Anthony's grandfather's name. Uh, we call it the Gerardo Classic. And we're working towards bringing that uh, or building that as more of like a festival, something that's a little bit more fun. Not you don't you know just have to play bocce to come enjoy it. So, well, one thing I did want to mention, we released it on our website, thebocchebros.com. On the side there, if you go to tournaments, you could see all the bocce tournaments that are going to be throughout Ohio, PA, Kentucky, anyone that we have contact with. So okay. if, if you want us to add to that, I understand with COVID and everything going on, you guys might not have tournaments right now, but when you do, let us know. We'll make sure we add to it because we've been getting a lot of traction for, from that. Um, sure. I, I don't want to make this about COVID, but it is important because right now you guys are shut down. You know, you're not able yeah, to play. So, yeah, we, we, we've taken a blow with uh, COVID. So we, we were stopped twice. Um, we were able to reopen this season and we started. And then in our seventh week, uh, they shut us down. So we've been shut down since November. By this time, we should already be leading into, I think, our second, almost going into our final season, right? So it, it's just hit us hard. Uh, we put in so many protocols too with, uh, COVID. I mean, wipe down the balls every time Yeah, there's a game masks have to be worn inside. Uh, so we've adjusted to the conditions. I'm hopeful, uh, by March fingers crossed that they'll allow us to, uh, reopen so we can continue our season. I I'm hoping. That's, yeah. yeah, hopefully. And those those tournaments you guys hold are they two men or are they four men? There's a mix. So if you look at if you look at the site, I'll, I'll we'll we'll put when there's two or four. The ones that we talked about were typically fours. Um, okay. The majority of them are fours, but you'll see a sprinkle of twos. Mm-hmm. I, I would say if if you're going to try to attract a lot of the Cleveland Youngstown area for your tournament, I definitely would look at the site. Typically, those tournaments are the same weekends year after year. Um, so it'd be good just to kind of plan because then it kind of leaves the other spots open and you're not fighting against the same teams that end up going to all the same tournaments. Right. And, and when you guys talk about four men, is that like Wycliffe style, each a ball, or is that two on one end, two on the other end? So Columbus historically, uh, in the Italian festival that we have is always two V two. And I grew up on two V two. So that's, okay. that's kind of what I'm, uh, uh, used to and in Columbus at the Columbus Italian club. 2v2 uh when we held the tournament this year we actually did a four-man walk it was a first one in columbus just to do it but to be honest we're indifferent around which way to play because we play both ways Um, so it seems like a lot of the like the mainstream tournaments especially in northeast ohio it's four-man walk so that's 
originally why this year we decided to do that tournament because we want to get used to it because those are the guys that we play against or are going to be playing against, you know, year in and year out. So that's why we're kind of like that in between where we're not exactly sure, but good thing is we can do both. Until we right. show up to the tournament thinking it's a four man, and then it's like, what are you guys doing? It's a two man. <laughs> yeah, this well, last. This, I, played, this uh, last. Uh, I played in the Molizan tournament, and it was uh, two versus two. Yeah, One of the, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, so, var- it, it, like I said, it varies typically, but for the most part, 80 to 90% are four man walk, is what I've what I've. Oh, it is? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what is your guys? We ask this question every podcast. Uh, your most memorable bocce moment? Well, since we started. Since you started. Like, so, for example, like Anthony's is playing with his grandpa. Played with him for 17, 18 plus years. Very memorable moments there. You know, his grandpa obviously welcomed him in as the older generation to play the game. You know, Dante and I, very similar. It's just like family stuff. Or there's... Like the Bocce Bellas talked about, they entered a tournament. They weren't expected to win. There was this one guy that they were playing against who was considered, you know, the best um, pointer that year. And long story short, they were able to beat him. And it was just like one of the bigger upsets of the tournament. So stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I got two. One from a personal side and one from, I guess, a business side. So from the business side, I guess – you know, hitting our five-year mark, uh, for me, that was a huge milestone for us. Uh, from a personal side, uh, two years ago now, playing in the Paulino Doro in Montreal in the yeah. in the B pool, I finished, uh, I think, tied for fifth or something like that out of 42 guys. So, so we'll, yeah. we'll explain that tournament. So that's once you play... Uh, under OBA, um, which is Ontario, which Bocce is Ontario Association. Association. Yeah. The Canadian Bocce Association holds a, a tournament. They hold two tournaments. One is the Canadian Bocce Championships, which is a team kind of event. So you play a singles, a doubles, and a triple. And then they have the Polino Doro, which is the, the Golden Ball, which is a singles tournament. And then there's the A Division. Uh, and then there's the B division. Okay. So, so the way we do it here is like that. Those two are like our major tournaments, which means each province competes under the country umbrella. So like we have Canadian Bocce Association, which if we had more provinces involved, uh, you know, everyone would come together and play, but it's kind of right now, Ontario and Quebec. So just to kind of make it familiar, for example, you guys have your, uh, I forget what it's called, UF, whatever. There's a United States Bocce Association. Yeah, and under that, I'm sure there's each state, whatever. And so when you have like a national tournament, all the states kind of compete against each other. So for us, because we only have 15 provinces and in total, and then like with actual Bocce players there's only two so we mostly compete against quebec which is montreal you might have heard so when we do these majors you know we 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 switch sometimes we'll play here in our home courts and sometimes we have to travel there 
travel there is six hours. It's actually further to get there yeah, than, than for us to get to Cleveland. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. And so there's like this sort of internal competition between each province. They're more like on the French side, they're Quebec, whatever. Not that that should have anything to do with it, but yeah. very different, let's say, culturally. So we have like inter-country rivalries, let's say. So Frank, when he's talking about Paulino Toro, we were in Montreal, and he actually went over there and like been, went very far in a singles tournament um, and beat some, a lot of their players, um, which was a big accomplishment. Like I was supposed to play him, but I kind of fucked up and I lost. Yeah. <laughs> I went like three and zero, and then I don't know what happened. But yeah, basically that would like, have been sweet. Him, that was a huge accomplishment. And then you're saying for us to have reached our fifth year. Yeah. Um, I just to add on that point, like for our you know, recreational league here. I think for us to have reached fifth year and then where we are now, which is, I don't know if seventh. it's seventh, you can yeah. call it. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal only like for us, okay? Only because we didn't know if this thing was going to work in the first place. And we also know how much it took um, to get there, okay? Not to talk about other people, but there was actually like spin-off leagues that tried to begin um, and, and mimic our model, let's say, right? And they kind of like, they're not here anymore for whatever reason, but it's a testament to like, you know, we, re we started to learn like what it takes to actually survive or keep going. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I agree with him on that. Um, so your question was like, what's your most memorable moment? Yeah, but to go off that though, uh, it's funny you say like you know other other people tried mimicking what you guys are doing, and it, it is special to celebrate that five years because you're putting the work in year in and year out. Like you said, people don't see what goes on behind the scenes. We're trying to do yeah. the same thing, and and we're only like six months into this, but we're hoping to get to you know eventually your your point. But you know you you, you bring the special sauce. You have, you, one, you bring the special sauce, two, you actually care about it, you know, and that shows in your social media and all the other content you guys put out. And I'm sure it shows in your leagues. And when you build it from, you know, a genuine approach and it's organic, people notice it and people want to follow. So, you know, I just wanted to touch on that before you, you went into your bocce moment. Yeah, so I'm going to continue on that point just because, like, that's something that we realized um, along the way. And we think that, you know, a lot of where we are right now is because of Frank and I. When I say that, I say that in terms of, like, we have a passion for the sport. We actually do care. We, everything we do, we try to make it fun. We try to grow it. And we saw that, like, you know, when others have, like, listen, if others can try or do it and it actually works, we're glad because they're helping to grow the sport and popularity, right? Mm -hmm. But what we found is that, like, or at least what we think, a lot of the reason why people are kind of sticking around or, you know, whatever is because of our interest or the way that we treat people interact with them yeah yeah like our our passion is evidence let's say right and so 
because we have this genuine care to like try to actually grow the sport and, and you know, enjoy the company and, and what it's all about. I think that's, what's really the fuel to all this. And so just to like, kind of like talk about you guys for a second, I didn't know like who you guys were, you know, until Frank kind of told me about this whole thing, but just having met you guys in this, you know, hour or so, um, I can tell that you guys have that same kind of fire or desire, you know, and with that attitude, I think you guys are going to do well, be like, and, and help the sport overall, because that's what it takes. Right. I can mm. see it in your face. I can see it in like what you guys are talking about. And I'm not trying to toot your horns or this and that, but what I see in you guys is what I see in Frank and I and what, where we were before. Yeah, okay? man. Yeah, cheers, yeah, man. Cheers. We should do like a cheers. No, but it, you know what? Cheers. Listen, guys, I think, I think I can tell that like based on this conversation and everything you guys talked about, I think we share a common goal. And that goal is to, you know, bring up the sport, like keep it alive, increase awareness, like, build it right and so i love seeing this i love seeing that there are other people out there like us kind of around our age group let's say that are as passionate as we are about it right mm. and, yeah. and it takes guys like you to push and drive it right and so i know you guys said you just kind of started let's say six months ago or so, so or like formally started formally started what guys Anthony. Late October or December, I don't even remember anymore. Beginning of October. Yeah, yeah October. basically what happened was Dante and I, we made a sweatshirt that said Youngstown Bocce on it. And uh, we were at a Youngstown tournament about a year later after making it. But even like as we were wearing it, everyone would ask us where we got it. Long story short, we know Carmen. Um, he threw a, a tournament in Youngstown. People kept asking us, asking us. Anthony is a, a huge bocce advocate, loves bocce, been playing his whole life. He's like, hey, let's just start, let's start th something. You know, we've always wanted to start a business. This is something we're passionate about. Yeah, it might not be huge, but we could still enjoy it and, and have fun with it. So we took it and ran with it. And that's how yeah, we were doing all cool, you guys. Because you guys yeah, had like that. that. Um, what do we sell? Probably over a thousand sweaters by now. Wow. Way, more, way more than that. I don't, I don't know what the number is, but it's actually strange. It started with sales. Like, you know, Gary Vee and a lot of these uh, startup business people, they yeah. talk about building a brand and then finding a way to monetize off of it. Well, somehow we didn't really have the brand except the Lovell Brothers Youngstown Bocce sweatshirts. And so we started selling it first and it actually got oh, yeah. us something. So We're like, you, what are we going to do with this? And, and then we created... So we, Sorry to interrupt you. I just want to know, like, because no. I'm very interested in all this entrepreneurship. So, of so, Dante, so Dante and Chris had the design. We we ordered inventory that Carm has done a great job in Youngstown to sell, you know, at all the all the leaks he goes to and the tournament that he held. With that, we developed the website. We started expanding to other cities. So we've sold Los Angeles, Bocce, Columbus, Bocce, Cleveland, Bocce, Youngstown, Bocce. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be getting into shirts and hats. Um, you know, it's, it's different designs, but people like the, the apparel when they're, when they're playing bocce or even just out at the bars or around areas that they enjoy, 
you know, wearing, wearing that type and just representing Bocce. And that's kind of the goal. That's been our goal, right? Get, get Bocce out there, not make it that like, oh, you're going to play Bocce Ha. It's like, oh, where are you playing Bocce? I want to come with you. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of our goal. So you actually found a thousand people that are, are they all Bocce players or enthusiasts? So, or was there anyone that's like not into Bocce that actually Stuff. There's definitely several people, and you could see on our sweatshirts we have the Italian flag underneath, and and on our website, if you go to it, you have the option to choose the Italian flag or not, because not everyone's Italian, and we understand. Cool. To grow this game, you don't need to be Italian; just play bocce. It's for anyone. Yep. But that's that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know you guys go. have the same exact mindset. So, but what what's really cool is there's several people. Not all you know, a thousand plus people play bocce, but. Uh, uh, probably most have, but a lot of people are just proud to wear the Youngstown name or the city name on their shirt. They know that bocce has either affected their lives or their family, and it's just another way to represent it. You know, that's and that's where it's just the pride, especially of Youngstown. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Youngstown, but it's you know the the people that immigrated there were mostly Italian. There's some Greek, uh, some Polish, but it's it's a, a a town where it's very blue collar. You you know work for what you get. It's you know you put your nose in the ground, do what you need to do to to raise your family and you know build each other up. And um, it's it's just a town that everyone if if you're it's hard to explain if you're not from there because everyone. I can kind of yeah. like kind of get what you're saying because over here, like in Toronto, there's like. Okay, it's different, but it's like the six, this and that. It's kind of like that. Sounds like more of a a general city region type of understanding. Not necessarily strictly bocce, but there's more of a city connection there. Way you were talking, mm, right? Like right. Youngstown or so. So I'm just talking from a whole, like you said, Gary V. Now I'm all on that thing. So because mm-hmm. um, we sell merch too, and it's not like we, you know. We don't do it for, let's say, profit-making business. We do it because we think, like, you know, people want to wear our stuff or it's good branding or, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be nice if we can make a lot from that. But that's not our main driver. Um, but how did you guys, like, how did you even reach these thousand people? Was it online? Was it word of mouth? Where I mean, we a lot of it, like we said, is we go to tournaments. We, and just, we're, we're wearing them. I mean, we have, you know, shout out to the Newcastle people, right? It was Christmas gifts. We had people in LA order Christmas gifts. We had moms texting us saying, hey, we want to get onesies for our kids. Like, it's just social media. That's uh, cool, man. People we know. But I mean, that that's kind of, I mean, I've listened to a lot of Gary Vee. I mean, that's kind of what, what it is, right? The one, two, three punch, right? We're kind of giving, giving, giving. And then that's when you ask, like, hey, come buy something from us. So we're trying to create content, you know, we're doing this, we're doing this because we love the game, we want to share, you know, people's experiences, teach people how much fun it is, get people involved, but at the same time, you know, we have something also there that can support us and support the Bocce community. Yeah, we're not here making money off of it, we're probably going to use a lot of it to run some of our tournaments, right, that we want to yeah. host, that we want to bring more younger people in, right, this is more just getting our name out, eventually someday, like Chris said, own a Bocce bar, own, own things that, you know, will be a long-term goal, but it's baby steps to always get there, right? Nothing. Ever, there's no the money time, that never worked, right? You got to work to get there. 
the, the timeline of it was funny too because like chris and i said or chris said earlier we made it for a tournament in columbus ohio we're like hey let's get a team together let's represent youngstown and it, shout it, it, it out got, to like, chuck malagisi and bobby for also helping us with the design yes yes <laughs> and um like we even got like one or two people that said something in columbus they're going from youngstown that nothing but then we were a whole year later because we're like hey we have these body shirts let's wear it to the tournament in youngstown and literally 30 people in this tournament were like, hey, I want one, I want one. And then that's when we were like, well, <laughs> let's sell them. And then that's literally how it all got started a whole year after the fact that we even made the sweaters with no purpose of or intention, intentions of selling them. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be honest. I mean, we got lucky, too. We were in a time where COVID, nobody had anything to do. People were playing, at least in Ohio, the one, one of the things you could do was play outdoor bocce. So mm-hmm. a lot of people were we're playing, going, trying to watch from a distance, do whatever they can. And so uh, people were coming into town who maybe live out of town, but because of, you know, they were coming to town, stay with their families and not be in their city doing whatever. And so they're like, oh, this is a way I could support my hometown or my city. And I kind of know a bocce or I know Jimmy down the street plays bocce. So they started buying them. And it was kind of like they sold like, Youngstown sold them for us almost yeah. and family. And, and, and then we started building, building like a group on Instagram and Facebook that reached out. And, and so that's kind of yeah. how we did it. I think like, uh, this is very like Gary V ish, but I think the similarity between us is that our, goal or whatever like originally was like it's mostly for the actual sport right for the love of the sport this and that and then okay after you know whatever your purposes are when you sell things if you reinvest it or whatever that's fine i mean we don't make much off of that but that's okay that that's not what it's about but i think the reason why people are probably like responding or reactive to to what we're doing is because this right this care this passion in it right like i'm very pleased to see okay four of you guys you know from the states whatever all of a sudden like you're taking your time you're doing this podcast we're here right now okay you've been doing it before us but not everyone's doing that not everyone cares enough right you're not making money let's say from this you're doing it because you want to and so are we and that's what i think you know matters nowadays i think that if people actually do what they love or you know you know do it for just for the sake of doing it then that's what you know people respond to or you know it's i i don't know i, I went Jimmy, off like how, no how how can we buy your gear how, how can our viewers our listeners buy your gear how about you give a little plug there yeah <laughs> uh I don't know, kind of the only way we would be. Yeah, just off Instagram, man. DM. Yeah. We, Perfect. We, we're waiting for uh, for it to be up on our site. We just haven't had, uh, our web guy hasn't put it up yet, but um, just through Instagram, man. It's funny because, so I have a, a I'm a huge wrestling guy, right? So Ooh. I turned the NWO shirt into a BWO, Bunchy nice. World Order. Nice. And like the Cleveland guys saw that when they came up to our tournament 
you know, 14 guys bought the shirt. So I had them pre-done. So a- anything like that. We Sometimes we get hits like that, just random people watching the stuff will DM saying, hey, I like the sweater. Can I get one like that? So it's it's just all through DM right now for us. Okay. Yeah. Another thing, when you guys travel, make sure you bring some apparel if you don't already because you might think at first, like, oh, I don't really want to go to their homeland and bring – the apparel we kind of felt the same way at first but no people love it and at least give them a chance or give yourself a chance to have the apparel in the in the back of your trunk that's a good idea that's a good idea yeah we kind of like i think between the two of us like frank kind of heads that up in terms of like coming up with design ideas or whatever like tries to incorporate like this okay now that yeah hopefully they're not watching hopefully they're not watching hockey in Canada or like this <laughs> like this kind of a play on uh Gucci. Yeah. yeah yeah so we'll do we'll do those kind of things but like even bocce world order but then we have our own yeah stuff that's not you know similar to anything else and we find that a lot of our players that are currently in the league like they show an interest because they you know they they're, they're they're a member and yeah. they want to like wear it and this and that so that, that's kind of where we're at in terms of merch like we we provide it or we make it available just because people are asking for it or they want to wear it. Like it wasn't a main yeah. thing for us before. It's not even that big right now. We're just kind of starting with it. And to answer your question, like Frank said, the only way you can kind of get it now is just go on our Instagram page and direct message us and then say, Hey, I like that or whatever. Yeah. You should probably put a, like a post. Yeah, we yeah. have we do it in our stories a lot. Stories, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's that's so, kind of it. Like you know, I don't think have we ever had anyone outside of the league want to actually. Yeah, a few people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So not bad. <laughs> uh, there you go. So let me see here. All right, we're hour forty in. Can't believe the time's oh, wow. flying like that already. So Je- you haven't mentioned your let's uh, mention your favorite bocce moment and then oh, we'll moment. we'll wrap it up. My favorite bocce moments. Ooh, top ten. Dun dun dun. What's in? Oh, um, you finished top ten. Okay, <laughs> I'll tell you. Here, there's the two I can remember off the top of my head. Uh well, maybe three. When I came to Detroit to play in a warm-up tournament, um, so our guy Pat and your guy Jose were gonna play on the same team for some international tournament or something. I believe that was the case. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I went along for the ride and we had like a warm-up tournament. And in that tournament, I had to play Jose, which is your guy's number one, number three yeah. in the world. So I'm playing this guy and uh, I think I was winning on him like 4-2, maybe almost 7-2, whatever, like what happened. Anyway, I ended up losing, of course, but... That was kind of a nice little thing. Almost, I almost beat our guy twice. It didn't happen, but you know what? Let me just think about this again. I think I don't know personally. Like it's a, it's a tournament that we had over here that I actually finally beat someone because when we started like playing, you know, the pros, we were losing every game, and then finally, like we started winning. But it took like a lot of beating to finally get there. So, yeah, I guess, I don't know. One of those games, I beat one of these guys, and everyone was stunned, and that's probably it. <laughs> I don't know. Not as exciting, but 
Hey, well, it, in the moment, so it definitely is exciting. Yeah. That's, that's for damn sure. I mean, us four can understand. Maybe the list, some listeners won't. I know about half of them will, but there's one you want to beat that one person, man. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, I think winning, like, uh, when I started winning at our higher level games, um, that's kind of when I felt good just because, you know, you put in the work and then you win, this and that. And, that's it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Well, boys, we appreciate you guys hopping on. Um, you guys, your listeners, or wow, our listeners, please follow them at, at Extreme Bocce on, on Extreme Bocce League on Instagram. Sorry, I was just looking that yeah. up just to double check. Uh, we've tagged them on a few posts here. We'll obviously post this episode on SoundCloud, iTunes, and on Spotify. So please. Uh, give us a listen, rate, subscribe, and review. Frank and Jim, we really appreciate you guys. We're looking forward to growing this relationship. Um, you know, it's obviously, as I said earlier in, in the podcast, you're an account that we always thought was pretty funny. We could tell you guys were, you know, just young guys trying to have fun and, and do exactly what we're trying to do. So hopefully soon this COVID shit will end and we can see each other in person and play some bocce and drink some beers. Yeah, man. That'd be thanks, awesome. thanks for having us on. Really appreciate yeah. that. For yeah, sure. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's been a good time. Nice being y'all. I like what you guys are doing. Keep it up. Definitely. And uh, one day we'll meet and we'll play and we'll who knows. Yeah. We'll Can't wait, man. I cannot wait. We'll, to have to, yeah, we'll definitely we'll do this again too because it's it's fun to talk about bocce. It's fun to get to know each other, but it's also fun to talk about other shit. So once we get to know each other more, we'll be able to to do this again. So. We're excited sure. for it. See you guys. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Take care. Ciao. Ciao.